Let's once again give our time over to the Lord, ask Him to help us as we consider His Son, Jesus Christ. Holy Father, we pray that You will give us strength, You give us, You awaken rather all of our faculties, so that we may once again give to You a proper sacrifice of praise. Lord, may the congregations listening be a proper sacrifice of praise, that it is the words of Christ that they hear and not just a mere man And let the preacher preach in such a way that they will see Christ more by faith. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, saints, last time we were together in our lessons in Christology, we considered how the um, atonement, um, Christ's death on the cross for us, how it was a pleasing sacrifice of the Father. If someone was to ask you, what is the most pleasing thing about the sacrifice of Christ that he offers unto God? When the father looks down and sees his son sacrifice, what's a, what is it about it that makes it a pleasing aroma? The father sends his most beloved son. If we were sent our most beloved son to die for us, would that death in and of itself be a pleasing aroma to us? Would we find, would we see that, um, that sacrifice and that way of, of dying and death, would we see that? as something that brings us delight. And many of us would say no. But in the case of Christ's cross, St. Paul tells us that Christ's sacrifice was a pleasing aroma to the Father. So how so? Well, we consider that not only was the pleasing aroma found in the infinite dignity of Christ, that is, He is the, he is the eternal Son of God offering His perfect body to the Father, his spotless body to the Father. Intrinsically, he is upworth because he is the eternal Son of God. But also we see that it's the manner in which he presents his body. Jesus Christ does not withhold his body, but he subjects himself to the defects of the fall. He subjects himself to death itself, which is the main defect of the fall. By subjecting himself to this defect, to the to dying, and that is also dying on a cross... He presents himself as a loving sacrifice to the Father. That, Lord, Father, you are worth this. You are worth me undergoing pain and suffering in order that you may save your people and forgive your people, rather. Um, We want to now consider more on the death of Jesus Christ And we want to consider how the death of Jesus Christ is the victory of God over death and evil. The death of Jesus Christ and how death is the victory of God over death, evil, and we can also say sin. Saints, what is God, what is God's answer to, to the evil in the world? What is God's answer to sin itself? What does God do about the problem of evil that has plagued humanity since the fall. Let's first consider the sin and reign of death. Before we consider um, how or what um, what God has done in in saving us and what He has done as an answer to the problem of sin and the reign of death, we must remember what life was before sin. What was life before sin? We read in the early chapters of Genesis, after God creates, the words, it was good, is seen. 
God created all things good, and quickly we see that God's good creation takes a mighty fall. A mighty fall. How great was this fall, saints? Consider God's curse upon Adam. Genesis 3.19 By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground because from it you are taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. How fall, far fall, uh, far fall did uh, Adam fall? How mighty was his fall? Well now he is subjected to something that he wasn't created to do. That is, his soul was not meant to be separated from his body. Adam was not meant to die. He was meant to live. But now, because of his sin, because of his disobedience, man is now destined to die. That is the, that is the very apex of the curse that Adam brought upon humanity. That man now undergoes death. That is why we... Um, cry when someone dies. Not only because we have a I'm sort of love for them, but also we know that there's something about death that is unnatural. That there's something about death that doesn't sit well with us. Because we weren't meant to be separated from our, our bodies, won't be meant to, meant to be separated from our souls, but rather we were meant to live forever. Because of Adam's failure to obey saints, we now die. Saints, this fall was a mighty fall. Again, because man was not meant to die. Death is man's curse. Death is the penalty of sin because death is the result of sin. You can say that every time now someone dies, that is a result of sin. St. Paul speaks of this in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. Because of Adam's fall, man is now under the reign of sin and death. In other words, sin and death have such a stronghold on humanity that man, in and of themselves, cannot shake its power. Now, no matter what you do in this life, you will have to be and will undergo death. St. Paul speaks of this in Romans 5.14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. John Gill says concerning this verse, death exerted itself and extended its dominion over all the sons and daughters of Adam. Death is represented as a king, as a sin, and Satan sometimes are. And indeed, death reigns by sin, and Satan both by sin and death. Their empires rise, stand, and fall together. In other words, death, because of sin, dominates the human race. It dominates the human race. Death has, in many ways, a dynasty that has not been able, rather man has not been able to defeat. All humans are under its reign, are under its power. In fact, we see how powerful sin uh, and death reigns even after Adam fell in the garden. What's the next scene after Adam fell? His children are now subject. They are now, they are now experiencing. They are now put into action the curse of Adam. Cain kills his brother. We see how quickly the reign of sin and death has entered into human history by Adam's sons now are now undergoing these defects. Cain killing his brother 
is an example of the vicious cycle of violence that man is now under. You see it now. There is a vicious cycle of violence, of death, that we see. We make movies on death. We read books and books are written on death. The philosophy of the world is the philosophy of Satan. How is evil to be destroyed, saints? Evil is only destroyed by evil, says the world. Retribution is what brings true peace. When one um, surrenders, and only when one surrenders, is mercy to be shown. Mercy is not to be shown in the beginning. It's only to be shown at the end, when you've defeated all of your enemies. We see this cycle of violence and sin even to this day. Saints, what is the great strategy of all the great conquerors of history? How has man strategized to take over land, to dominate and build empires? It's by death. That is how man takes over. That is the blueprint of how to dominate. How does man get what he wants? By power and by death. How, how does man force fear into people? By the threat of death. We see this vicious cycle, saints, played out time and time again. The question for mankind is this, saints. How can this vicious cycle of evil and death be stopped? How will this vicious cycle of evil and death be stopped? How can true peace be brought about? The answer to that question, saints, the world seems to say, well, how true peace is brought about, how this vicious cycle of evil and death is stopped, is by the sword. We repay violence with violence, evil with evil. We are to fight hate with hate, and death with death, until we are the last one standing. But saints, that is not how the Bible says evil and hate was defeated. That is not how God has prescribed how evil and death was defeated. That's not how God says in His Word how evil and death is defeated. How is sin, evil, and death defeated, saints? What is God's answer to evil and death? What is God's answer to the never-ending violence of man? Holy Scripture tells us it's the cross. It is the cross, saints, that is the answer to the vicious cycle of violence and evil and death that we see. The cross teaches us, saints, that evil will not overcome evil. That violence will not overcome violence. That sin cannot be overcome by brute force. And that peace will not be brought about by the power of the sword. But the end of the reign of sin and death will only be brought about by love. That is how the reign of sin and death. That is how God has decreed for the reign of sin and death to be stopped. It is by love. John 3.16 verse 17 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through Him. What's the answer to evil? What's the answer to sin? What's the answer to death? God says love. That is the answer. What mysterious yet mighty wisdom of God, saints. And the wisdom of God is this, that God does not destroy evil by wiping out all of His creation. That is not how God handles the problem of evil, sin, and death. That's how we would handle it. Scrap it, start over. But no, God does not remove evil entirely. But rather, He uses evil and death and transforms it into the ultimate good. He uses evil and death and transforms it, transfigures it into the ultimate good. And this transformation, saints, of evil and death is seen at the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ, saints, teaches us that evil is not overcome by military judges and military leaders. That evil is not overcome by the sword. Not by power, but by a gentle and humble heart who is our Christ. That evil and death is not overcome by one wanting to be the best. By one wanting to and aspiring to dominate with the sword. But rather, evil and death is overcome by the one who said in Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. The question is this, saints. How does Jesus Christ transform evil and death into good. How is that possible? How is it possible that God would decree the most violent and wicked thing that's ever happened in the humanity, in the history of humanity, to be the ultimate good for humanity? How is that possible? Let's first consider the cross. Let's first consider the cross. How is the cross transformed into good? Death is the punishment for sin. Jesus Christ taking on our humanity, being our representative. He assumes that punishment for sin. He places upon Himself the eternal Son, Jesus Christ, takes upon Himself this punishment by dying for us. But why the cross? Have you guys ever considered that question? But why the cross? Couldn't have Christ died another way? Couldn't He have been stoned to death? Same result, right? Death? Why did God foreordain such a horrific way for the Son to die? Why in this manner? Christ could have been buried alive. That was known at that time. There were other devices that the Roman Empire would use to, to kill criminals. But why the cross? Why the cross? What is the cross, saints? Crucifixion was invented by the Persians in 300 B.C. and was further developed in the Roman times. It was a punishment for the most serious of criminals. The upright wooden cross was the most common technique and the time victims took to die would depend on how they were crucified. Those accused of robbery were often tied to the crucifix and 
because they were they could be better support their 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 weight and their arms might survive for several days. But one of the most severe methods of crucifixion was placing the criminals' arms above their heads. Some said, or rather one has said that it would take ten minutes to half an hour for that person to die. But Christ's arms were not stretched over his head. It wasn't a quick death, saints. Your Lord's death, it wasn't a quick death. Your Lord's death, where there, there was not ropes tied around his wrists. What we see in Christ's death, he was nailed to the cross. Someone nailed to a crucifix with their arms stretched out on either side to expect to live for no longer than 24 hours. Seven-inch nails would be driven through the wrist so that the bones were there to support his body's weight. The nail would sever the nerve, which would only cause immense pain, and it would paralyze the victim's hands. The feet were nailed to the upright part of the crucifix so that the knees were bent around 45 degrees. To speed the death, the executioners would often break the legs of the victims to give them no chance of using their thigh muscles for support. Once the legs give out, the weight would be transferred to the arms, gradually dragging the shoulders from their sockets. The elbows and the wrists would follow a few minutes later. By then, the arms would be six or seven inches longer than they previously were. The victim would have no choice but to bear his own weight on his chest. He would immediately have trouble breathing as his weight caused his ribcage to lift up and force him into suffocation. It was an excruciating way our Christ died. This gruesome and horrific way to die, this way, was the way that God had decreed, that God said, this is how my eternal Son made flesh would redeem sinners. This is the manner. This is the way. And notice, saints, it was upon a high mountain. It wasn't done outside of the courtyards, but it was in front of the whole world to see for all to see our Lord die in a way that was only reserved for the most evil of criminals right there smack in the middle. Saints, this is how the world wanted our only Savior to die as well, though. It's not really just God decreed this, but also this is how the world wanted Christ to die. Death by crucifixion. This is the way. Death by this evil device of men that finds its blueprint, its origins, back in the Garden of Eden. But saints, in the wisdom of God, in the mysterious wisdom of God, it is exactly this evil device of man that God will use to bring about humanity's greatest good. It is a device that man dreamt up in their sinful, sick mind that God would use to bring about humanity's greatest good to convert evils into good, redemption to accomplish, not by doing away with evils, not by scrapping death by crucifixion, but by using it 
by using death by crucifixion. God doesn't wipe out His creation and start over, saints. But rather, Jesus Christ, He submits Himself to the evils of this world. Lord, if this is the way, I will come under subjection to it. And by the grace of God, and by the good will and pleasure of God, He transforms the cross into a good. Death is the punishment for sin, yes. But in Christ, death has been the means and is the means for salvation. The world thought that they were choosing the cross as wisdom. But what they don't know is this was the way. This was the way that God would show His boundless love for His creation. (laughs) The world chose this. The world that they were wise in this. They say in Luke 23, after Pilate is asking, should I release this man? Why do they keep crying out, crucify him, crucify him? The world wanted crucifixion. But what they didn't know was that God was going to use this evil device of man to bring about the greatest good. St. Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Just listen. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding, I will confound. Where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the baiter of this age? Has God not made the foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, did not come to know God. God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. What's the foolishness of the cross? That one died for sins. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach a bloody Savior. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to Gentiles foolishness. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind and the weakness of God is stronger than mankind. In other words, St. Paul is telling us that God uses the folly of man to demonstrate His infinite wisdom and love. What you dreamt up, yes, evil, yes, foolish, I will use to display my son's love for the world. God takes an evil device of man and through it shows his infinite love for us. He takes something that people wouldn't have dreamt that good could come out of it. What good comes out of death by crucifixion? Seven inch nails stuck to the wrist. Stuck to the feet. What good can come from it? Again, saints, think of the cross. Think of the cross. Many of you have them in your homes. Many of you wear them on your hats. Many of you have them tattooed on you. You wear them as necklaces and jewelry. Think of the cross, though. Before Christ came, and even in the days of Christ... People would look at us crazy if they walked into this room and they saw a cross in the building. 
Are you utterly mad and sick? Why would you pump a cross in a building? Why would you wear a cross? Why would you have them tattooed on them on yourselves? Why would why do you why do you cry and are joyful when you hear of the cross of Christ? It's a cross. It would be similar to us walking to a building that displayed an execution chair. We would say, Why in the world do you have that displayed? Do you know what that is reserved for? Do you know what that does to people? We don't display such wicked devices of men. So then why is the cross so beloved by us? Why is the cross so beloved by many Christians when it is an evil device of men? Since it's because God took an idol of Roman dominance, the cross, and He transformed it into an icon of love. That is what God did. He took something that dominated the Roman Empire, death by execution, and He turns it into an icon, a symbol of love. That is how the cross is transformed. Not by the will and intentions of man, but by the will and intentions of God. The cross tells us that God has answered the evil, hate, and sin, and death that Adam has brought into the world with love and mercy. You see, saints, to kill a strong power of sin and death, an ever greater power must be used. Not a stronger sword, not a most more powerful army, but that greater power that kills evil, that kills sin. It is God's love. It is God's love. It is Christ's love on the cross that killed the evil and our sin. As we read last, we learned last Sunday, God was more pleased with His Son's one act of obedience than He was displeased with the sins of humanity. That stronger power, saints, that kills evil, that kills sin, is love. So we see God transforms evil into good at the cross. But we also see through death, that Christ transforms death itself. <clears throat> In other words, saints, it's not just a cross that we are to look at and look at it, view it differently. But we also are to view death differently. Not just the cross that we see as an icon of God's love, but we also see death itself as a symbol of God's victory. As has already been said, Jesus does not fight evils with evil. He does not fight the evil of this world by jumping into the ever, ever vicious cycle of evil and He becomes evil Himself and He does evil. Jesus does not contribute to the ever-growing cycle of sin by wiping out His enemies. He could have. But rather, Christ accepts His death out of love for God and love for His enemies. That is how evil was destroyed. That is how death was destroyed by Christ submitting Himself to death for love for God and love for His enemies. Out of the most horrible thing that mankind has ever done, 
that is, kill the eternal Son of God made man, the greatest good was brought about. The echoes of Genesis 50.20 scream at the cross. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Where is the goodness in Christ's death, saints? Where is the goodness in one who has never sinned? Who is perfectly holy? Where is the goodness in that? Hebrews 2.14 Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Isaiah 53.5 But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment of our well-being was laid upon him. And here's the goodness. And by his wounds we are healed. Saints, on the cross, God transforms death. Death for the Christian is no longer seen as a result of Adam's failure in the garden. For the Christian, we don't view death as merely Adam's failure. Death no longer signifies sin's dominance upon the human race. The dynasty was ended at the cross of Christ. It's seen as the victory of God and the triumph of love and mercy. That's what the cross signifies. It does not signify Satan's evil, death, and sin's reign. But the triumph of God in love and mercy. In Christ's work on the cross, suffering and death are transformed from mere consequences of sin to the means of of the new life of the good life, of the glorious life. The Puritan Thomas Watson said, though death is a bitter pill, there is sugar at the bottom. Death is the believer's best friend for it brings him to Christ, which is far better. Death to the believer, saints, is not the end. But it is the means. It is merely just the waters by which we go from one port to the other to take us to Jesus Christ. This is why, saints, we can stare at death and say like St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of of sin is is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, saints, not only do we view the cross differently, but also we view death itself differently. Death is transformed. It's no longer, saints, it's no longer, it no longer signifies our disobedience in Adam. But it signifies Christ's obedience unto God. And our means, it is our means, our glorious means by which we are truly, ultimately, and perfectly configured into the image of Jesus Christ. In summary, saints, how is evil and death um, overcome? Evil and death is overcome not by God wiping out His creation, not by God starting over, but it is only the love of God on the cross that turns enemies into friends. It is only the love of God that turns enemies into friends. The Father sent His Son, and Jesus Christ submits Himself to the most extreme evils of the time death by crucifixion and transforms it into the ultimate good. God takes the cross 
which was a symbol of torture, and turns it into a symbol of love. And the same can be said of death. God takes death, which signifies sin and our disobedience, which signifies the reign of evil, but now signifies the means to our resurrected new life. That's what God does on the cross. That's how He transforms evil, death, and sin. Saints, how must, we, how must we live in light of this teaching? There's many ways in which the Holy Spirit can apply this sermon to you. But simply put, how are we to live? Well, we are to live the way Christ lived. We are to live the way Christ lived. Matthew 26, at the arrest of Jesus, and behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut his ear off. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you, uh, do you uh, think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus Christ does not fight evil with evil. He fights evil with love. Put your sword back. What's a great what's the greatest example I was it was said this this morning so beautifully? How do we exemplify before a world full of sin that we are of Christ? It's love, saints. That evil does not overcome evil. We don't fight hate with hate. Evil is only overcome by love for God and love for neighbor. We learned from Pastor Antonio's story this morning of Natasha and her unwillingness to fight sin and evil with sin and evil. How does she fight the evil of mankind? The evil that's oppressing her? By silence, submission, and love for God. She looks beyond the torture. She looks beyond what people are doing for her. Isn't that what Christ did? Even on the cross, looks down, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. St. Paul instructs us, this, uh, instructs us, of, uh, us of this, saints. In Romans 12, 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is how you overcome. That is how, saints, the evil and vicious cycle of humanity, how, is, how, will be, how will peace be brought about? By God's love. Not generic love. But God's love. And God's love, saints, is seen in us preaching the gospel. As Pastor Antonio said this morning, we are to preach the judgment of God. But saints, that's not hate speech. That's love speech. Because God has made a way for you to escape judgment. We don't preach merely hell. Saints, we preach the love of God in Jesus Christ. And saints, for us, we, are, we need to hear this. How much evil has people done to us in our life? How much sinful intentions has man devise schemes in their minds to put you off course and put you off track. Many of you, many of you right now might have an enemy. Many of you right now might have someone 
who you are at odds with, someone who has sinned against you greatly. Saints, remember the words of Christ in Matthew 5. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Christ modeled this. And saints, this is how we are to live. This is the way of the cross. The way of the cross, as we learned last Sunday and the previous Sunday before that, is by complete subjection to the law of God. This is the way we are to live. To love and not hate. To choose love always and not evil. To always choose love. That is how. That is how. Enemies are turned into friends. Saints, let's pray.